Welcome back to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. This week I'm joined by Birdie. Hey, how's it going? And Forty. Hey, and Ham. Daddy ho. And your host, Hamish Band, is back together officially for the season review. Um, so after the disappointment of the grand final, a meteor didn't strike the stadium and blow up both teams, uh, quite unfortunately. Um, we're here just to look back at the season in full, considering the, the team that won was the team that knocked us out. And yeah, just, just off the top, a, a bit of a disappointment to go out the way that we did, um, especially with the, the two games that followed from... Um, from Penrith. Yeah, it was a wild final series post our result because I think by far and away that our game versus Penrith was the game of the finals. Um, we saw the Melbourne Storm in all sorts of torrid form against the Panthers and get accounted for. And then in the grand final, I thought that Souths were okay, but that that wasn't the Souths that beat us twice this year. So I yeah, I think um, against the Storm, the Storm just had too many errors and that's just not Storm-like at all. And I thought Souths had the play to defeat Penrith when they were shifting the ball they were catching them out especially on that left edge there but there was a probably 10-15 minute period in the in the second half there where they just went one out rucks and um yeah they just got absolutely dominated by Penrith played right into their hands if they went kept going wide I think they would have easily easily handled them because Penrith you know very good defensively but even with two very two New South Wales halves they're still struggling to score points out there and that was the most fascinating part of the finals like that narrative wasn't it uh, that storyline because it wasn't not like suggest that you're, you're painting a, a false narrative it was just that all of a sudden the hottest offenses in the the competition went cold and it was all about who could defend the best yeah yeah because there's different rules for the finals well, to the regular yes, season, like that's, usual. that is actually a very salient point because the the brand of football we saw by the officials was completely different even to state of origin honestly it was just a completely separate product and it's part of the reason why Panf- the Panthers probably prospered yeah, they um, certainly learned to exploit the six again rule the best out of any team. And the blockers not only on kicks, but also on early play the balls. If you go and watch, go look at the tape. Yeah. Even on those early set uh, lines, whilst they've got two good um, outside backs in Crichton and um, and Toto who can make metres. They're getting free runs with from the markers, yeah. They are because uh, the, the, the blockers are, are holding them up. In so there's no no ability to gang, gang tackle them early on, and until the NRL wants to stamp down with this six again bullshit, um, you know this is the product we're going to get. To be honest, I, I I didn't watch hardly any football. I didn't watch some of our games in the back half of the season because it's just rubbish. Yeah, it's kind of. It, I don't think there's too many vocal six again fans or, or fans of the current uh, interpretations, but if you are, it's pretty hard to defend it. Uh, I, it's just it's a. Like you said, Hamish, you watch Parramatta games, and even then, it got a bit into a bit of a grind with the the officiating interpretations. And watching the neutral games just sucked, and you just end up like either switching off or just watching something else. Or oh, doing the whole uh, watching your phone a bit more than watching the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just literally dial out or check out of that game and just look at something else on the phone. Um, all right. Well, we didn't all write down our um, predictions, but Ham and Bertie did. So um, showing how. <laughs> We've prepared for today. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with you, Bertie, uh, just going in alphabetical order. So, Eagles to finish third. We finished sixth. Well, technically we finished, right. well hang on. technically, we finished tight, uh, tight third or whatever it is, you know. So, that's a point. Did Half we? a point to me. Did we? Wasn't it the same? Fifth, fifth or sixth. Okay, scratch that. No, forget no, about we finished that. Out, we finished out right sixth. Okay, okay, scratch that. That's a... That's a uh. <laughs> <laughs> it was Manly and Roosters finished tied fourth. Uh, Manly doesn't count. They had an easy draw, so yeah. Um, best signing, Cartwright. Uh, I think there is a standout signing uh, who was uh, another. In my, role that in my defense, I thought like when I was looking at Papali, I was like, oh, he's just going to be a bench, you know? He's going to be like Kane Evans, and I thought because Cardi was a starter beforehand, so I thought, well, if he gets his mojo back, he's going to be a starter. Then that's what I thought. So when you start in, but you know, I'm happy to be proven wrong in that one. Wasn't that sort of fortuitous that it was Cartwright? Didn't he injure? Was it his hand or something early in the preseason? He had a broken jaw. He copped someone's boot. I don't know whose boot it was, but yeah, I don't know. So, so that's probably why Cardi. That's uh, why um why um Papa Lee was on the bench to start off with any event. So mm-hmm. um because I remember Cartwright at the time he was being talked up for a, for a starting second row spot, not just a bench role. So yeah, I know sixties was like low key keeping the Papa Lee hype on the down low. Saying he's, you know, he was, he was a big signing, but um, 
Yeah, I just fought Cartwright there. Yeah, I'm happy with the, I'm happy with getting that wrong, to be honest. Cartwright, we were just discussing before we started recording that you know there wasn't really too many bad signings other than uh, Mitchell Oldfield, but you know he was he was just depth later on signing on a what, another deal. So <laughs> well, yeah, that that too, um, but it sort of put into that position after the Michael Jennings uh, saga in the last off season. So um, I don't think anybody really expected anything from Oldfield. Uh, worst signing, Hipgrave. Yeah, I don't know. I think because the fact is, you know, Tides were, you know, the bad team. And I just felt as though this guy, like, coming from there, it's like signing a West Tigers player. You know, they're playing from, they're coming from a shit place. You're like, you're not expecting much. But my God, can I just say, we were talking before, Ed, Oldfoot had that stitched up, the worst signing award within 10 minutes. Literally, he, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's, oh, that's a bad, he, he could have debuted round 20, whatever, the last game of the year, right? Got on for the last five minutes of the game, and he and he could have won the award. That's how bad he was. He's up there with the worst Eels player ever. And I've seen some shockers, you know. I'm talking Paul Fanawira who quit. I'm talking Bo Champion. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking Chris Hicks. Oh my God, they were like they were atrocious. Tom Hunt. Like I'm just thinking. I'm just like, surely you can't get any worse than this. And I'm looking at. I'm like, there was no effort. And then, and then he has the audacity to say it's the coaching system or whatever. I'm like, bro, you're shit. You're not even a first grade. I don't know how he robbed a wage. I'm, I don't know how he got paid. Whoever scouted him, literally get him on the drug test because that was atrocious. I don't know what he's seeing. And like, uh, so I saw someone on Twitter. It might be one of you guys. You said, well, he was doing the exact same thing for New South Wales Cup when it was when it was active. Like, I don't know how he signed. We've got to get rid of him. We've got to banish anything to, anything to do with old and field. Get rid of anything to do with Parramatta. I think that's one of the all-time rants there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just say I forgot about him for the past two months, and that just came out naturally. Like that wasn't prepared or anything like that. That just off the cup. Okay. Um, first player to debut, <laughs> David Hollis. Who was the first player to debut? Uh, well, Hayes made his debut last year. So um, was it Jake Arthur? Arthur? Jake Arthur in round ten. Yeah. If we're doing NRL debuts, it would have been Arthur. Yeah. 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 I think that's what we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Oh, did Sean Russell? No, 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 it was Arthur, Russell, Panasini, and then uh, Loizu after that. Uh, Makatoa. Makatoa too, yeah, sorry. I forgot about the... uh, Rodwell. Rodwell, yeah. Yeah, but Rodwell's the same game as uh, Loizu, yeah. Fair few to um to debut this season. So how many players to debut? Two Hollis and Lussick. So that's Eels' debut, I guess, there. So how many do we have? We had about seven or eight players this year. I counted eight. In terms of making progression for New South Wales Cup... I think I counted eight when I was doing a, a tip sheet thing with 60s. So, yeah, that's an incredible stat for that team. Oh, don't forget Perham as well, you know. Yeah, Hayes Perham, oh, yep. Oh, Perham, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. like we... Like, we had a fair was, few this year, actually. Yeah. And, and it's, you know... It's all because like, of injury as well, so... You know, I, I think it was good that um, BA rewarded them for the last game because there was a lot of players that would have gone up into that bubble and not gotten any fir- any game time in first grade and... Um, even though it was only one game and it was against the eventual premiers, you know, at least they can say they're an NRL player now. And that that, that was a, a a point I I brought up in the most recent episode of Tip Sheet with Joe Grimer back on. I, one of the most like famous sporting outages that you hear is that you know it, where it's the college system in the NFL and NFL or reserve grade and, and first grade in a, in a given competition that uh, the best reserve grade team couldn't beat the worst NRL team. And I, I said to Joey, I reckon that that New South Wales Cup team, our reserve grade team. You know, they they took the actual NRL premiers, who at the time were just a grand final team, uh, to what like fifty plus minutes of essentially deadlock football. In a, mm-hmm. they were full strength. So I don't know if that adage holds true in the NRL anymore. The, some of the reserve grade teams have become so good, and some of the bottom line or bottom end NRL teams are so ordinary that you know if you gave our guys a shot, I reckon they'd um, they take the shot and um, bring back the W. Well, definitely us and um, Penrith who were leading the competition when it was uh, eventually went behind closed doors, not closed doors, just shut down. Um, or Penrith were far and away the best team, but I think with our young ones, you know, up against the Bulldogs there, they would have given a fair a fair whack. And not and we only had like when we look at a team because we versus West or whatever they're called, and we had like probably one or two ex first graders in the team. The majority of them are like they've never made their NRL debut, like. So we were like a fairly like inexperienced in terms of first grade um, talent in our ros- in our mm-hmm. reserve squad. Mm-hmm. So that was a you know that was a, um, a a big positive because we're not we're not dishing out like you know washed up plays essentially. And like you said, Ham, the fact that those guys got rewarded with that NRL game was actually really cool because 
guys like especially Rodwell and whatnot, uh, who wasn't you know centrally contracted and was a, a fringe guy, whereas guys like Loizu and and Russell obviously you know either D six or bottom bottom end top thirty guys with you know pathways to first grade here, uh, that was a huge reward. And, and I think to the point where Rodwell showed enough in that game that maybe he's going to you know feature and come back next year as well. So it's a um, really really cool moment of the season and yeah. Uh, a nice way to sign off on the regulation season for us. Highest try scorer, Gutherino. Uh, but that uh, came down to Makasivo, even though he uh, bowed yeah, out early. Yeah, bowed out early and still got, what, 16 tries? 17 tries? 17. 17, yeah. Uh, all right, what's the next one on the list? Player will sign, Ramian. Uh, that didn't really turn out. Oh, we got we're getting it. Jesse Ramey at home and Will Penasini. So it was, you know, kind of yeah. right. Well, I, I, I looked at it, I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm going to go first, what position, then pick a player. And I thought, well, heading into the season, I thought, I didn't expect much from um, Upper Church. And I was like, we need a strike center. You know, well, after Katoni stays, we missed out. I'm like, you know, maybe the Sharks, maybe Ramey will get upset with the Sharks. You know, he, he likes to leave clubs, you know, we'll ask for a release early. You know, maybe we might offer him. But, um, mate, I'm glad we uh, stuck solid and kept the. Uh, Gave the debut to uh, Young Will because I think he is the future of the centre uh, for the centres for Parramatta. But um, yeah, I just thought position was the centre. We lacked that heading into the season, so, so it was the yeah. right it was the right evaluation. Just it turns out that we Wanga Blake sort of figured some stuff out, and then uh, Will Penasini was ahead of the the development uh, cycle. So yeah, you're wrong, but you weren't wrong for the the wrong reasons, Betty. So you're you're right for the wrong reasons. Wrong for the player we reasons. won't re-sign that will miss Ferguson. Um, so we haven't re-signed him. He's going to retirement. Uh, it's uh, open Is to see whether or not we'll miss him. Uh, it's not official, but you know when he's talking French rugby, like uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's pretty. Much <laughs> <retirement>. <laughs> yeah, that's retiring. Um, so yeah, that that'll get to a bit of chat uh, outside backs for next season. So Sivo, he's going to have a little bit of time out with that knee Rico. Um, so we don't expect him from round one. Um, and then I think. Um, you know, a player that sort of stepped up, the Dunster, uh, in the back half of the season. Uh, Ham, have your thoughts changed on Dunster? I think we always saw him as a fringe first grade winger um, coming through the the blocks. But how did you think um, the back half of the season played out for him? He just kept getting better and better. Like, I, I always had high opinion of Hayes just because he always was a hard worker in every team that he was in. He was, he was never a standout, but he was always there and he was always willing to do his share of the work. Um Funnily enough, that game against Penrith, um, he, where he made his most metres, but it was also the most kick return metres, which showed, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, well, kick return metres are easy metres. Yes, they are. But it shows his willingness as a winger to drop back and help out Gutho in times of need. Like, if we can have a winger that can drop back and make those hard runs, well, then on the other side, we don't, you know, you look at Penrith, obviously when they didn't have crime, but when they have um, Toto and Charlie Staines, where Toto makes all the runs, Charlie Staines is just, He's on the field just because, you know, he's reasonably quick and um, he can put pressure on that way. I think, you know, if Hayes can get those 15 to 20 runs a game, you know, they might not be big, fantastical tackle break runs, but they might be good, solid runs in behind the ruck where he um, cuts back in behind the markers and then get, gets a quick play of the ball. I just think, you know, going from a fringe reserve, uh, fringe first grader, I think he's cemented his spot and he's definitely earned his spot um, come round one next year. Good, uh, right up there. There, him, put you on the spot. And delivered. <laughs> he delivered big time. Delivered like Hayes. Yeah, <laughs> no, I've uh, always been a big fan of Hayes. But he, he definitely took that jump from, you know, sort of fringe NRL prospect guy that fills in when there's an injury to the one of the two, you know, frontline flankers to a guy that just, you know, warranted that spot himself. And that effort against Penrith in, you know, the toughest game we've seen in years is really a testament to what's, you know, the ever not the, so much the evolution, but the, just the development, the uh, the honing of his mindset, um, because he just showed that he wanted to belong in finals football there, which is huge. I'll tell you what, he did it in reasonably quick form too. He only played thirteen games this year, and when I say thirteen, I'm just having a look now. Two of them were off the bench. I thought he was starting to get a real move on with his game um, against the Titans, and then he was uh, dropped for that one game against Canberra, mm-hmm. and then he sort of had to come back into it. Um, was a reserve against the Roosters and then come back as a um, first grader against the Rabbitohs and then played out the rest of the season there. So I think, you know, if we stick with Hayes all pre-season and have him as our, in our um, first grade back line, you know, give him all year. He's only played 14 games. He's still 22 this year, I think. 
Yeah, 22 this year, so still young, you know. Probably Again, probably not going to be a superstar. But if you can have a reliable first-grade player on a cheap wage, you'll be able to fill your spots elsewhere in the um, top 30 with a lot better players, which will in turn make Hayes better. It's going to be a big ass. It's going to be a big ass. Sorry, Hamish. Because, like, you know, he went from literally being the third um, winger in our, in our squad to now, start of preseason, he's going to be the number one uh, winger and he's going to have to, like, sort of lead by example, you know, without with Sevo being injured, um, not playing for half the year, most likely, and Fergo leaving. You know, he's, what, as you said, played 15, get, you know, 13, 14 games. It's a big ask for a guy, you know, in your 15th game, sec- uh, you know, third preseason to actually uh, be the leader, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And so just looking at that winger depth, uh, Sam Luizu, you discussed he got a, a game. Sean Russell got a game. Um, do we see them filling out that other that other wing role in the absence of Makasivo, or are we thinking of signing a, if we've got a certain Bulldogs winger lined up? <laughs> I think that, I, think, I think they'll feature. You know, right now in the vacuum, they're definitely in the, in the conversation. They'll feature in the preseason competition. Um, I think that Russell brings a bit of speed, which is always you know a coveted asset on the wing. These days, we've sort of gone back from the hulking prototype, you know, the prototypical wingers that we sort of have seen the NRL trend to back to guys with, you know, a bit of agility and speed also being relevant to. So Russell has a, an, a chance there. And Loizu is probably a bit more uh, athletically built than Russell, but just needs to stay healthy. That's the, that's the thing for Samuel. Um, so they'll both be in the mix there. But yeah, that, if that uh, rumor uh, comes true, then obviously it's sort of a foregone conclusion who would be playing on that one flank. Yeah, I think. Um, I stated it this way a couple of times. I think if we're happy with Hayes playing, if, you know, outside Wunger Blake, they're probably not going to get many opportunities other than that Gutho cutout ball. So um, having, because Wunger Blake's the strike pl- strike player on that side. They're not, he doesn't really feed his winger much. So on that side of the field, if, you, if you've got a bigger body, someone who's willing to ruck it out and then able to um, finish off sets, well, then that's good. So that means on the other wing, if you've got Will Penasini, who can set up his winger very well, I think we could probably use a bit of speed on that side. So maybe you do look at a Sean Russell because he is a bit quick. I think he's um, over 100 metres. I've seen him fly down some wings. I think he's probably one of the quickest at the club. So if you put him outside Will Penasini there, Will's got has that time and his footwork and his strength. And, you know, you don't necessarily need a metre winger outside will because he's also going to come back and ruck the ball out for you so it just depends how we want the team i think if um hayes moves over to the right maybe we do need a bigger body outside wanga still um but i think outside will we could probably use a bit more speed and finesse is not dookie still at the club or Uh, no i'm not too sure actually on that one uh he might be one of the off contract guys that the club just needs to figure out why you know what the composition of the the cup team's going to be so um, I'm not sure what his status is, but if he if he is around, he's obviously an option too because he was actually having a nice finish to the New South Wales Cup and before it got carked. So yeah, there's there's options at the club, uh, but you know what Hamish was alluding to with the rumor doing around about Canterbury having you know too much. Of They've a, got a lot of backlog, a lot players. of backs, and they keep, I, know, I know we're talking. This is more preview and rumor, but boy, they have a lot of backline players, and they have got a young one. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Paul Alamotti. Who I think will be, I think he's only 18 next year, but he's a very good player. I think he'll be pushing for first grade in that back line, even with how stacked it is. Yeah, and and given that the dogs keep signing backs and they seem to be up against close to the cap, there is a bit of talk about uh, current NRL flanker being available at say, the right price, perhaps, even though Phil Gould says otherwise. But yes. usually, if Phil Gould comes out in the media and says something, it's the opposite. That's, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah clearly he's not he's getting sacked. And delivered. Jamal Lewis <laughs> isn't getting sacked. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, Ham makes a great point about Paul Alamotti. He's a very talented young kid, and he might be an option too if they can't you know, offer him a, a, a path to first grade anymore. So yeah, there's there's always lots of stuff to be done like that. Um, all right, well, let's look. Ken Thornett, winner and breakout player. I think the same player for Birdie was Dill Brown. Um, Dill Brown, a little bit of a regression this year, especially in attack. Um, what do we think that is? That just really, he, ha- he hasn't had a full season in first grade with injuries and um, that sort of thing. So do we think that, you know, it might have really been sort of a second-year syndrome this year or the switch I, from left to right and back from right to left to that sort of stuff things around? I thought the, a, lot of the pe- a lot of the talk... Um, was the switch from left to right or right to left for both halves. Um, I thought it was a bit of a cop-out. 
to start when they were talking about it because it was like these guys are professional footy players. They should be able to play both sides of the field. They should be, um, you know, and they had a preseason to work it out. So I thought personally, I thought that was a bit of a cop out um, stating that. But then when they moved back to their sides, they just seemed to the flow of our attack seemed to be a bit better. And um, I think it was the way that we were playing our halves to start the year. They were playing very Dylan's right side, Mitchell Moses' left side. That's it. Whereas when we saw that, you know, when Mitchell was playing better and when Dylan was playing better, they were starting to move around playing both sides of the ruck. I think that's sort of going forward. I think that's what we need to do. And especially now that Dill's had, let's say, three seasons and this will be coming into his fourth preseason and we know um, how fit Dylan is. I think from, you know, going forward that we need to see both halves playing both sides of the ruck, doubling up halves, um, even... As I said, it's this thing I said during the season, just getting closer to the ruck. We saw Mitchell score that try against the Newcastle Knights by being first off uh, Ray Stone there and just absolutely using his speed and footwork, just carve him up. Both of these guys, get closer to your ruck, use your footwork, and then have that short ball ready. You know, you've got big second rows. You've got Murata on the right. You've got Sean Lane on the left. Use that short ball as well because that's what... You know, it creates one-on-one opportunities. Um, all right, so the Ken Thornett and the breakout player was obviously went to Isaiah Papa Lee. I think um, we'd all agree on that. I think you've probably put Papa for just all the top awards. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how he didn't win Dally M, if I'm honest. <laughs> it's Tom Travoyevich. He only played like two games or something. Yeah. Um, all right, next one. Bra- uh, player to regress, Sean Lane. Um, we discussed that before we came on air, but it was more same... More of the same from Sean um, Lane. So I don't know if it was really a regression. Um, it continues to be such an enigma because at his best, he is actually a difference maker in the forward pack. He's just difficult to tackle. He has the offload, incredible post-contact meters, but he just the problem is he just turns off. He, yeah. just, he has these drops and defensive lapses where he's just checked out and it's, inc- it's frustrating. And it, that's the thing, Laney, like in that Penrith game, I don't. he played all 80 minutes. I don't remember him making him one mental error. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think he dropped a few balls. They're physical errors he, to me. A mental he error nearly, he nearly is when you switch to... off in defense, when you switch off running a line, like you just, you're out of the play. He I don't he, remember him having that in Penrith. He nearly Penrith. won us the game against Penrith too, with that run down the left edge at the end and the offload that just he couldn't find the right person. Uh, so you just, yeah, he, he technically, uh, you know, you could argue he regressed. Technically, you could argue he sort of just, you know, plateaued. But he remains such an, a fascinating player for a variety of reasons. If he can just stay dialed in, he just makes such a huge difference. Just having a look through the squad, I don't think there was really anybody who really regressed. No, to be no that's a test. Sebo? Would you say Sebo regressed? Uh, I mean, oh, he, yeah, that's probably fair. Would you? Would you? Um, because, he, I mean, there was a huge thing in 2020 about his struggles. Like, he was pretty ordinary for a huge stretch of 2020, right? Um, I, I would, but even in 2020, he still started off the year well. Like, I was really disappointed with Sevo this year from, from the get-go. Just, he wasn't, you know, getting back to ruck the ball out. He, you know, everyone loves to chant his name. So do I. I'll, as soon as he gets on the field, I'll chant Sevo, clap, clap, clap. But, like, he just – there was something about him this year that, you know, we I'm not sure if he's playing too heavy, if, what it is, but there was just something about him this year that there wasn't that spark that we got, especially in 2019 and early 2020 where like, – do you think he would have scored that try against Tedesco this year? No, no. There's no chance. But in in general, I think that yeah, the like Hamish was trying to allude to perhaps outside of Sevo, um, that there was a, a lack of regression in the team, which is obviously a fantastic and b probably testament to the coaching staff and the players themselves. The the squad is still hasn't peaked, still hungry. Uh, I think we saw the way we close out this season that the, the team is very much hungry and that they you know they still very much view themselves as Premiership contenders. So. Yeah, the fact that there is a, a a dire lack of candidates to fit the regression award is a good thing. I think, yeah, as, as you said before about Laney was, I think more players plateaued this year rather than regressed. Well, they mm. stayed within that sort of realm from where they were in 2020. Obviously, there was a few um, players that stepped up. I think Reedy stepped up massively. Papa stepped up massively. Um, Will Penasini will he come from nothing. So he's just – and I thought – uh, Wunga Blake was the opposite of Mike Acevo. Yeah. Started the year off, you know, a bit slow, a few things going wrong, and then all of a sudden switched to the left, found a new lease on life, found some enthusiasm, and 
you know, second picked in the backline, you know, second picked in the backline for next year. I will say, and I, and I, at the risk of being, you know, banished, I thought the last six, seven games of Guffo's was not that good. I think he just, he did, he had a few errors in him and it just, he didn't seem right. And that could come with him, you know, maybe he was injured, but I'm not saying he was the worst player this year, but the last six weeks, he he wasn't the same Guffo that was like contending the Dallium yeah. uh, last, the year before. And yeah, you I mean, Guffo at his best. Yeah. Sorry, Bertie, sorry to interject there. You see Gutho at his best. He's backing up in the middle. He's getting in the dummy half. He's shouting out in defense. Whereas I agree this year he was, you know, a bit more in his shell. Um, wasn't really looking to make uh, a line break from kick returns, was just looking to ruck the ball back. Again, you don't know if it's uh, an injury or lack of confidence or what it could be yet. But Gutho just, yeah, he didn't end the season uh, as, as, as we expect him to. Next, biggest win against the West Tigers. Who was our biggest win? Yeah, uh, boys. Yeah, it may have been. Probably. Or was it against Newcastle 40 nil? Yeah, 40 to 4, some shit. It's got to be that one. Uh, biggest loss, Roosters. It was Manly, I think. Um, we'll get to, to Ham. That was a bit of a. Balls up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go through mine. We don't need to go through mine. It's all right. Yeah, I, f- I think, like, statistically, like, you know, they, they've had our measure against us, and it was just. We always seem to put in a bad performance against um, the Roosters, and I just thought because I was expecting us the biggest loss we'll have will be you know eighteen points max, and I was like, oh that's gonna be the Roosters, you know they'll kick clear, but man, I didn't expect us to get you know flogged by Manly, and uh, yeah, it's not good. We can blame PVL for that. Yeah, we can blame PVL for a lot of things. A yeah. lot. Of Headline things. of the year: Wanga Blake wins Center of the Year. Era. I don't think that was on the cards. Mm. Who I mean, won? Who did win? Centre of the year, oh, I think was it was Burton and Dolan. Yeah, both of them, I think. But I will uh, say Dalian. he did finish off. He did finish off well, Wonga Blake. So that that could be like a pre. That could be like a pre-tip, pre-season, pre. What is it called a a pre-pre-season prediction? So next year he might win it. You're just but, a yeah. year too early. Uh, always, always pig early. Deli M, Cameron Munster. So that didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, Ham, you, you had your, your finger on the pulse a bit more. Uh, Eagles finished I don't know about fifth. that. <laughs> they finished sixth. Best signing, Isaiah Papali'i. Finger on the pulse. Worst signing, Keegan Hipgrave. I don't even know if we'd signed Oldfield at that point when you um, submitted these. So. Um, February. No, I think we'd had. I think we had. He, he was, I think he was just he after like, Jennings. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't he like a, um, uh, when we signed him around, literally before the end of the last season, wasn't it? Like, I thought it was like literally... Or was that a preseason signing? I think he was preseason signing. I think he was just before preseason. Oh, sorry, that was Opacich we signed early. Yeah, Opacich yeah, was before. Um, we signed Oldfield in November of 2020. Oh, there you are. So well before. <laughs> 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 okay, I always thought, yeah, November he would. Had we fit, had we gone out of the finals then? Was Michael Jennings out by that point? I can't remember. Uh, okay. Yeah, 2020 is um, a blur. I don't know. 2021's a blur. I don't remember 2020. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, was signing Keegan Hipgrave. I think we're all um, saying who that player was. First player to debut, Hollis. A uh, bit incorrect there. How many players debuted? Two. I think we had, what did we say, about five eight. and about eight. Eight yeah. all up and about five had their uh, their NRL debut. Highest try scorer, Wonga Blake, 15. Again, wrong. Wrong. But were you copying from Ham's home <laughs> there? Uh, oh, hang on. Let me just find, let me just find the, sorry. Let me just find March 2nd, because if March 2nd was a Tuesday, most likely I would have copied it because it might have been like a you know five minutes before we went on live for a pod, but um, yeah, it could be. <laughs> I think Ham was the first one to do it. It is too. Oh, no, sorry. March was a Tuesday. Bertie had Gutho as the highest try scorer. My oh, I had to change it up. You know how it's like, you know that, that meme, I, can I copy it? Yeah, just change just, you know, just change, change it. I had to bit. do that. <laughs> I would have copied him. <laughs> um, all right, next, uh, player will sign Brent Naden. That didn't eventuate. Uh, on the same. Oh, sorry. Sorry, that was for Ham. So sorry, Bertie. What did you say? I said on the same line. line. Yeah. We were on the same line of thinking, uh, an outside back. Mm-hmm. Uh, play, player we won't sign and that will miss Fergo. Um, those carries, although he um he had his issues with injury this year. Was it injury or was it just straight drop? I can't remember. Ah, uh, no, his, I think it was a bit of both. I think yeah. it was a bit of both. You know, I if I could change it now, hindsight, I'd change it to Joey Lussick. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He was good backup. I, unfortunately, he was also injured at the the in our time of need. Um, <laughs> no luck with um the hooking department. What what do you think? Just on that tangent. 
Um, you know, Reed goes down that sort of uh, sliding doors moment. He should have been picked for Queensland. Goes back to the squad. Newcastle separates his shoulder. Uh, decides not to have surgery, comes back, and then fucks it up later in the season. Um, f- fucking Queensland, fuck everything uh, up, don't they? Yeah, the Cane Toads um, got that much worse. They fucked us. But but then, you know, the year before, you could have criticised us for not having a backup plan if Reed went down. But then we signed Joey Lussick, who, uh, by all accounts, and, you know, what he produced on the field was, was really good. I don't know why he's gone back to England. I think he could have picked up a, a, a gig in the NRL. Um, Maybe he likes the lifestyle over there. Yeah, perhaps. Um, Didn't he sign with St Helens? Aren't they like a, a power, you know, a powerhouse over there? Essentially, like they're like a top two team every year. So yeah, pretty uh, yeah, free year and deal plus, too. So he got the, he secured the bag, I dare say. Which is and huge. also go over to uh, Europe whenever you want. True. Mm. Well, yeah, not go. as much after Brexit. They're all a bit <laughs> fucked there now. <laughs> no, true. Yeah, he's got, he's got the Aussie. He's got the Aussie passport though, so maybe they still have Aussies. Um, and then Nathaniel Roach, one game goes down, unfortunately. Um, we always he knew he was a bit such, of an injury risk. He had such a good run in reserve grade too because I was, I was expecting him to probably play a, a month at a time. Um, but, yeah, playing all, pretty much played as soon as he got into reserve grade. He was, I think he was injured um, for our trial matches. But then, yeah, gets gets that um, injury, what, 10 minutes after he makes his NRL debut for us? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you, you need a lot of luck in the NRL to win a comp, and uh, like almost every team has injuries. But to go through the amount of like the house we went through, like if you put Reed, um, and especially in that finals against Penrith, like I'm not I'm not bashing Stone, but if, if Reed was there, we win the game easily. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, so we've had bad. a lot of bad luck. I think it just goes to show, like where Reed is at the moment. You'd you'd have him in top three hookers in the game. Well, not not in the Dally M's, by the way. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Well, you got to have well, Harry Grant and Brendan Smith. Well, Harry Grant's Harry a fraud, Grant. you know. Harry Grant did nothing this year. He went back oh. to the foot. I think yeah, he's suffering from West Tigers withdrawal, which is, you know, I thought that was, that's bad. I don't know how. It, it just shows West Tigers are really that bad or he's just a myth. And I, I don't he, know. Needs, he needs to be a big fish in a little pond rather than mm-hmm. a teeny tiny fish in a, a big pond. Uh, who else did we have? We had, sorry, I was forgetting what we were up to. Uh, Ken Thornette, I also had Dill. Didn't no, eventually. Ken Thornett, Gutha. Oh, yeah, your breakout play was still. Me? No, so it's here. Ken oh, no, Thornett, Dylan Brown. Fuck, You're sorry, my bad. No, I'm looking at Mother. Jeez. Ah. Got the glasses. I've got to put the glasses back on. So, <laughs> Ken Thornett, Dill Brown, breakout player, Oregon Kafusi. Uh, Kafusi, um, still got to work on that defense side of the ball. Yeah, I think um, he was doing really well for a patch off the bench there for a bit. Um, and then he got promoted to the starting team. I'm not sure if that gave him the yips or, you know, I won't say a, a big head because I don't think Oggy's that sort of person. It doesn't seem like um, he would have got a, a big ego from that. But he just seemed to uh, peter off a little bit from when he started. I think it was round eight, actually. So it was quite early on in the season. But it was, it was had some good impact off the bench early on, um, you know, playing limited minutes. But um, I think he maximizes his opportunity in those limited minutes. And... Um, yeah, when he started against the Dogs, I thought it just sort of uh, petered out from there, and a bit it's, disappointing. In he's the still end. in his, he's still in his formative years as a prop, though, so it's easy. I mean, yeah. And the fact is that you, you see these, it's more than flashes too. It's not like he's just like one run. And it's like, oh, that's good. It's it's a whole body of work where he he's so light in his feet for a big man because he's not you know freakishly large like Junior, but he's for for a big man he is very agile on his feet and he poses a lot of questions. It's just about maintaining that consistency. Yeah. I, you know the best game that he had was that um the final round against Penrith where I think the, the team were just told to go all balls to the wall and he went in there with Makatoa and Ray Stone and they bullied James Fisher Harris for the entire time that they were on the field was it a HIA yes that had Oggy off the field there um you know he could have probably gone close to eighty because I think he played the full he did first half he did one sixty plus meters as well so he would have gone he would have cracked two hundred comfortably. If he had been uh, knocked out of the game, quite literally, so, he would have done the two hundred forty. Yes, almost certainly. Because you know, you're going by an NRL.com statistics here, one fifty six meters from whatever, however many hit ups. I don't really know. I can't. <laughs> it's a bit. And then um, twenty six tackles. So you know, he might have gone the full eighty there. We might not have seen um, a few other players, but you know, another thirty two minutes on the field there for Oggy, and he would have. I think he would have comfortably cracked the two hundred forty, which is. Um, yeah. Big work rate from him. And if he got into 250, it's a very elite club, the Nathan Brown club. Yeah. And then, as you said, he's only young. He's only 22 this year. 
Yeah, and props, so, we know for a fact props tend to start figuring it all out sort of 25, 26 often. Like, he, yeah. he, he is going to be an asset for the team. It's just a matter of getting rid of that little error that he has every now and then. And then, like you said, Hamish, just the those little defensive lapses that, you know, you can afford the odd missed tackle and whatnot, but it just there are times when he needs to defend, you know, just a little bit more intensity because, you know. Yeah, the, I think Oggy's trending upwards, which is always a good sign. Yeah. Exactly. When 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 you have Junior and Reg, like they set the bar so high, so for him to be like this, the, you know, coming off the bench, he has to up, he has to match that what they bring in. You know, if if we hadn't, if we didn't have them too, then he could be our best prop. But mate, Junior and Reg, they set the bar so high, so I can give a bit of leeway to Oggy, but um, yeah, he's he's, I'm happy um he's at the club, and um yeah, so he's had a couple of games where he was knocked out literally in the first tackle, and you know with a couple of injuries, like it's just been a bit of bad luck, I reckon, with him. Uh, player to regress, Sean Lane. We've been through that. A biggest win, forty-seven to six against Manly in round eleven. Uh, oh, it's good past that. Right. No, that was, uh, yeah, I was. Uh, that's when I was on the um, Cameron Monsters and um, <laughs> the Mad Dogs. We'll get, we'll get to that. Uh, biggest <laughs> loss against Roosters round twenty. Uh, that was a bad loss, but I guess not the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, headline of the year: NRL team caught in another salary cap scandal. Uh, not a salary cap scandal, but a white powder scandal. Uh, <laughs> few few yeah. scandals so far in the uh, yeah. in the Mad Mondays, and I think um, tell you what, tell you what, turn off your phones. The other tell you turn what is that vaunted Melbourne culture doesn't mean shit. If they were in Sydney, they'd be just as bad oh. as any other major club that has been dragged through the the mud. If Cameron Munster was playing for a Sydney team, he would not be in the NRL right now. Oh yeah, for sure. With with the things that he's allegedly done, allegedly, the <laughs> things, things that he's, that he's allegedly been done, caught for. He's and the things that he has been caught, he would not survive in the Sydney media. And there is um, rumours of him signing with the second Brisbane team. They are a bit protected. I'm not sure if they'll have that Broncos protection like they do Queensland media give the Broncos, but it's it's a whole different media landscape than what you have as a unidentified person in Melbourne. What was yeah. the headline of the year? Would would it be weekend at Vaughnies, you reckon? Like for an NRL general? Or... <laughs> We're all about that, eh? Yeah, yeah. Jack DeBellin under the bed, like so, like he would have thought. That was that was something, wasn't it? That was <laughs> some of the some of the stuff that came out. It wasn't just the headline in it. That was the whole article. Yeah, <laughs> Corey Norman <laughs> leaving his car with his personalized license plate. Like, oh, like, yeah, just did yeah, he leave his wallet, wallet as well? well? Yeah, yeah he left, he his left his wallet, wallet like on that the barbecue or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Matt Dufty biked it like five kilometres home. <laughs> Triathlete. Uh, and then, then you had two players that came out. I think Lomax and Alvaro didn't want to sign the the yeah the Swans team. Like that was a that was a kerfuffle for two weeks. Yes, they, I think it was Dufty and Alvaro who didn't want to uh, commit that the lie was the truth, so they didn't yeah. refuse to um, sign the Swan affidavits. Yeah. I know it was, was Lomax because they were saying oh, they didn't so, have yeah. girls over it. They obviously did. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck footy players are dumb. Oh, yeah, seriously. You know, I think the NRL, we always say it. We always say it. The NRL needs to put their foot down at something and they continue not to. Well, and the Melbourne Storm punishments, big suspended fines, but one game, $10,000, one game, $5,000. Uh, they're sending uh, Munster to a four-week rehab program and he's, he's promised not to drink alcohol for a year. Like, you know, Todd, Todd Carney was told not to drink alcohol for a year, and we all know that he was on, at Norvies getting smashed every other week. So, And the thing is, like, who's keeping track of that? Are the NRL going and doing a piss test every day? Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah. In all honesty, I really don't care if players decide to snort coke on their days off. And no, then, you had, then you had poor uh, Lachlan Lewis just wanted to be an entrepreneur and, you know, sell some stuff from Gumtree. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, he, gets, he gets ripped up. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's a less yeah. a problem of the, the act of it, Hamish, and the fact that they're dumb enough to film it and have phones yeah. out and then it comes out. And, and then for Oh, the, no, I understand the optics. I just, and then for the, know, the club CEO to come out and try and play dumb about what it was, you know, it, it's selling fans really short, you know. Yeah, I know. I completely understand the optics. I think just as a society, we need to move beyond dumb. Yeah. And especially because, like, and the thing is, like, they're recording it as if they're 16 year old kids doing it for the first time. Like, yeah. and they probably, probably do it every off season, and it's not anything new. So, it's probably just a put the phones re- away. Time reminder for, you know, all young kids these men are not your role models. You know, they, nah. you, you may aspire <laughs> to be an NRL first grader, which is fine. Live your dream out, but these men are not your role models. So, don't live your lives based on their actions, make your own judgments. 
Um, Deliam Cameron Smith. So he, if he plays, if I he like plays at a uh, oh. conjecture there because there was at the time there was talk that he was going to sign with the Titans, and when I say talk, nothing from him. It was all media, probably trying to uh, create a story that they could talk about because you know for the past twenty years they've only talked about Cameron Smith. So what are they going to talk about for the next twenty years? Well, they had to make up a Cameron Smith story. Um, and Harry Grant, boy oh boy, talking about players regressing. Oh no! Well, that's the thing because a lot of the Dally M is picked on hype. Oh, yeah. oh I remember, I remember you saying that. Like hype, that's shit. I remember you saying that it's all, it's all about hype, you know. And yeah. Yep. Um. All right. Well, let's have a look. Uh, those, those are good predictions. Good chat there. Uh, let's have a look at twenty twenty one stats. Uh, just as a global uh, completion rate, seventy nine percent. Who had the best completion rate in the NRL? Bulldogs. Oh, oh, bullshit. Are you serious? 80% for the Bulldogs. Nah, what, did Phil Gould say that? No, no, no that's the stats. <laughs> no, because the, the Bulldogs <laughs> play, played a play really basic. Spring football. Yep. Oh, oh, they probably get five sets of games, so they complete four out of five. Yeah, they, I can see that happening. <laughs> it was Steve Kearney sort of Warriors football. Remember he had that yeah, season uh, where yeah. they like the Warriors completed at the highest rate, but they scored like the least amount of points. But they just did, they nothing did nothing with, with the football. football. Yeah. yeah. Well, weren't they the only yeah. team to... um? Have the complete hundred percent. Forty, forty-four. Yeah, yeah. that twice now, or is it, does that once? I, I think it was the once they nearly, they went a whole. They were the first team to go a whole half without then, dropping the ball into, against the Dragons, up. and they only won by six points. So it goes yeah. to show you set yeah. completion. You know, it, it, obviously you want to complete your sets, but in the end it doesn't. It's really not mean the be all end all. Like you want to you want to complete at an efficient click to some degree, but you don't have to. Do it at the expense of playing adventurous football. You need to be able to ask questions and probe the defense. Well, look, Manly were fifteenth, and yet they they finished top four. Like it just shows you, and the whole high completion. You know, you you got to complete eighty percent to win a football game. No, you don't. You just gotta. It's what you do with it. Yeah. So yeah. Tackle efficiency eighty nine percent. So not too bad. Um, average points scored twenty three. Average points conceded eighteen. Um, again, you want to get that average points considered down. I think um, the baseline is about 16 points is what you want to be conceding at most each game and would want to get that average point scored up given the um, six-again rule just makes it a free-for-all attack. And average yeah. play the ball 3.64 seconds. Sorry for hammer I cut you off there. No, that's what I was just going to say that, um, you know, to, to win the comp, I think you want to be, well, I think Penrith conceded like less than two tries this year or something. That, that's that's insane, but they've also gamed the system. So you obviously have to game the system to... um to win nowadays but yeah like if we're if we're being serious and hopefully it won't be next year it might not even be the year after but if pvl ball goes away then you're looking at you know two tries a game that's what you want to limit your opposition to and then obviously your lesser teams one try or less and then your more attacking teams obviously you go on three four tries all right so um all in all it's sort of tread water year what, what do you think on that i thought there were some positives but again um I think I said throughout the season that it'd be a bit of a, a loss season if we didn't make it through to that prelim. Um, I think we all felt a bit better after the Penrith game because we thought we were a bit hard done by in that game and uh, perhaps a, a penalty or a uh, um, a correct call away from a, um, a prelim. But um, all in all, that, that stretch near the end of the season, that was, uh, that was quite awful. Um, but I thought Brad sort of turned it around in the last couple of weeks to get us ready for the finals. And we... We played pretty much our best football in um, against one the storm two weeks out from the finals, and we rested everybody. And then against Penrith in that second finals match, which was a forty year touched on, was probably one of the better ones of the season. So there's some positives, but I still think there's some negatives there. Bench utilization, uh, picking the the best players. Uh, sometimes you know we just dumb played dumb footy like the footy smarts we go away from, and that edge defence. They're all things that have sort of been on the back burner. Uh, that we've been criticising for a while now and at, at times it reared its ugly head this season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they're legit criticisms and I think not not to a T, but we did start to address them in that sort of backstretch where we, we talked about the Melbourne Storm and Penrith game and it needs to be now, you know, proven that that was the new norm. Um, we saw a different deployment of defensive structures. We moved away from the jam slide that, you know, had been a little bit boom or bust and we moved to a more just classic slide principle which worked out much more consistently. Um, and then I think the big thing for me was that in that little stretch, we like Ham said earlier in the podcast, we saw the you know, obviously the half swapped around, and it wasn't just that they started playing more as the one-two connected 
back line rather than being you know isolated left and right. So I, I think there's genuine reason to think that we made some jumps at the end of the season, but we need to see that built on in the early parts of next year and that become the new norm. Yeah, I think um, throughout the year we had a, a, a not a, I wouldn't say a lack of intensity, but inconsistent intensity. Um, maybe that's because of injuries, maybe a new way of looking at a season and building into a season and when we want to when we want to peak and everything. But we've, you know, got to still remember two of our spine players, our nine and our six and our nine, particularly where your attack starts. Um, Reed's still 23 this year and, you know, I think he's still got a long way to go um, in becoming, you know, a, a good all-round player. He, he was getting there and everything and, you know, he added the kick, he really added a kicking game this year. I thought that um, Reedy's kicking out of dummy half was probably the best in the competition for a hooker. He was really pinning teams down there um, when he was getting it right. Um, so that's something to look forward to. I think he and, you know, depending on our attacking structure next year, I think him and Dylan, uh, if we go in with the with the game plan that we had in sort of at the end of the year, they'll be better for it. Um, but, yeah, all, all the, you know, all, all the negatives, I, th- I think we still had the same negatives from 2020. And next year, you know, we've got young Will Penasini that's come through. I think he's going to be a very good centre. I know Birdie said he's a future Parramatta. Uh, don't want to put any pressure on the young man, uh, but I think that he's I think he's got higher honours in his future. So I think he's going to be a very good player. I think he'll go a long way to fixing our edge defence and our um, edge attack. Um, so yeah, it's just about these young guys. Like, And we've got a lot of guys coming into their primes. Like Mitchum Moses is 28 next year, I think, 27. Sounds right, something around there. Yeah. Um, our two staying front rows will be 29. Um, Brownie's 29, Maddo's 28, I think. Um, so a lot of these ex- guys are really getting their 150, 200 game NRL um, under their belt. So I think that, yeah, this year, as you said, it was, it was treating, treating water. And, yeah, not not really much to say for, for me past that. Bertie? Yeah, I just – this year, I sort of like um, – throughout the season, I – Reevaluated my expectations on the team because I was thinking we, you know, we're a top two team. But then, you know, then you look at Storm and Panthers when you were like, yeah, there's a gap between us and them. So like, but then, so I was like, okay, let's just make top four. So like, I, I feel as though we're gonna um, be realistic with our expectations. You know what we think we sh- we are. But in saying that, the the two finals games we played this year it was one of the, it was two of our best games we played. Right, we should have beat Penrith. There were there were two of Moses' best games. So like. It sort of felt like we we're just trying to get to the finals, and then we can, you know, reset. Because as you know, the, the, the old cliche that the finals, is, you know, it's a reset competition. So I feel as though season, I was a bit like, eh, you know, we need to improve. But the finals, you know, you couldn't ask for more from them. They they tried their hardest, and you know, with a bit of luck, you know, we could have been, you know, we could have, you know, progressed to the next week, and then maybe into the grand final. So it was the perfect way to end. Even though we got knocked out week two, it was the perfect way to end the season. Because if we went out and um. You know, back to back. You know, if we went out the first week, it would have been very, very bad this preseason. But um, I feel as though the ending sort of saved it. I, I just want to touch on um what Birdie said there, and um with Mitchell Moses having his two of his best games in the finals. Uh, I think that comes from his experience in Origin. You know, mm-hmm. he was much maligned in Origin going into the game and then coming out of the game, and how was the unlosable game and what have what have you. But that experience that he ga- he gained in that bi- in those big ga- in that big game. I think it really showed that the intensity that he needs to play at. I think that's why, you know, if Reedy was picked in that first game, which he should have, all Cameron Smith and Darren Lockyer were calling for it, and they're two of Queensland greatest ever players. So I don't know why he wasn't well, picked. The good, I think good if, news for Reedy is that Cam's on the coaching staff now. Yeah. So, so they, you know, if Reedy, I think if Reedy gets that um, origin experience, even if it's only one game, I, I think it just goes to show it's how much it has improved Mitchell and what is expected of him. I think if Reedy gets in there next year and plays a game, you know, even Dylan, he's been picked in the um, New Zealand train-on squad for the Rugby League World Cup, whenever that is, if it ever gets, if it ever plays. But I think if Dylan plays either for New Zealand or Samoa, um, just that big game experience, it'll just, it'll help him a bit more, which I think, um, especially in that Penrith game, we were lacking just a little bit. It also is a, a blessing in disguise for Reed not to play Origin, because like, Let's be honest. That Queensland team that was a basket case. All you know, all um, all state of origin period. So can you imagine him going there? He's thinking, I've dreamt to be this and dreamt to be playing for Queensland. 
They get washed up in the first two games, and literally the season's over. The coach doesn't know what he's doing. They're, they're trying to select the players ineligible. So I feel as though, yeah, he wasn't selected, but it's sort of like a blessing in disguise because, you know, I feel as though next year, the Queensland will be better, and, you know, under the likes of Billy Slade and Cameron Smith. So it's sort of like protecting him a bit, you know? I can see where you're coming from, but go back to a young Jared Hayne. Yeah. He, he played Origin. I think he gained a lot. And you saw post-Origin, that's when Jared came to play sort of thing. And I just think that it's just that big game experience because you don't get much of it at all during a year. You might get a few season games like when we played Penrith, when we played the Storm, um, Manly, South and the Roosters, but you might only play them five times a year, at the most ten times a year. So you're not getting much during a year. So it comes down to your origins, it comes down to your finals. And that's when, you know, that big game experience, the big game feel, you get used to it. Or you should be, as, as a professional, you should be getting used to that environment and that pressure that you're playing in. And the more that you're playing it, the easier it should get. All right. Do we want to leave it there? Um, 2021, it doesn't really count like 2020 because of all the COVID shit. Having to transplant the competition up to Queensland and Yeah, they didn't even get to celebrate their premiership win, so... Sucko. Oh, they did. Didn't you see Cleary's phone? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're too busy. I was, I was talking more about the fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Noted, yeah. Uh, and big time, uh, big time Penrith Panthers fan, Dane Laurie, also celebrating in his Penrith kit. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, well done to the West Tigers, man. They went out to the kindergarten class and asked, who would like to design a logo? Can I just say, well done? Because that logo, I give it an A+, plus because, you know, you tried. But gee, we, I wish, I'm just so glad we don't have those likes in anyone in our club. I'm so glad we don't have Patsco, who looks like a guy who probably was in the video with uh, Cameron Munster. Um, I just feel as though that's just embarrassing. I thought they couldn't get any worse than that, seriously. And I they just. What, go, I never. When I first saw the logo, I, you know, this is a bit off topic here. When I first saw the logo, I thought it was like a tiger, like coming out of a banner. But then <laughs> someone pointed out it's the wings of the magpie. I was like, oh. oh. How, how fitting that the uh, tigers. You know, right in front of the magpies, even when they though they do nothing, and it's all the it's all the magpies backing them up. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's that with the elite facilities on the mountables, I just feel as though they gave us plenty. They gave us plenty of content, and not just a documentary. They gave us plenty of content. Um, talking about content, uh, so this will wrap up the footy chat for now, um, and we'll come back perhaps earlier preseason. Uh, with the juniors, with some teams being released recently, but I think to do it justice, we'll do it earlier uh, next year because they're they're the training squads at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, they're Hammond just other squads. They're not the finalised. So once nah, they no. sort of get finalised, yeah, that's well, that's in about. We get, um, we get a one trial match at the end of the year, another trial match to start the year, and then um, around February, early February, I think they get um, they get uh, cut off, and then that's when it really starts to um, come down to business end of the or the start of the business for junior reps um all right well we might leave the footy chat until when we get back to february um off-season talk boys uh so 40 i'll start with you you're um padres when you're a bit wanting oh mariners mariners for me the sorry mariners what i'm talking about i thought who's padres fan uh not me not me i'm a Rays fan yeah, so Bertie's, uh, Bertie's all happy. He's got the Rays finishing at the top of the AL, uh, AL and got the top seed. But yeah, my Mariners just fell short and needed to – ultimately they needed to win three of three in their last series against the Angels, the Halos, um, and they didn't get any help from – they got one result go their way outside of that. And if, they, if it had gone the other way, it would have forced a crazy four or five-way tie. And unfortunately, they just fell short. But they're very – Baseball, baseball, isn't it? yeah. The Mariners is it National Baseball League, American League, and, and National League. Yes, the American League's got the designated hitter, which is the guy that replaces the pitcher in the batting lineup, and the NL's got is old school. It's just got the pitcher batting. So it's MLB, though, isn't it? ML, yeah. Major League Baseball, Major League it's, Baseball. It's so confusing. Yeah. Like how can one? It's not like two different rules essentially. It's like yeah, it's, uh, and it's like all American sports. Instead of amalgamating into the one competition, you got to pay homage to the two legacy competitions, and that's why you have uh, the AL and the NL. But yeah, Mariners weren't expected to be in the hunt for the wild card this year. They 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 were rebuilding with a lot of young kids, but they sort of stepped up and caught fire. Um, so yeah, it was a really fun ride. Now I'm looking forward to what they're going to do in free agency and actually you know make a push for 2022. I'm going to pick a team on the spot. Go Seattle. You ready? It's time. Go. Do it. No, I'm not going to Seattle. You went for Green Bay. I, for, yeah, yeah but Green Bay, good. I'm going to go for the St. Louis Cardinals. 
How are they? What are they? What they're, are they like? they're like Seattle. They they had a really hot finish to the season, but they did make the finals. Got bumped out today by the LA Dodgers. So oh, they suck. I hate them. Uh, NFL. So uh, after that round one prank, Ham, yeah, you're back on um, the pack. <laughs> oh, the way Aaron Rodgers played, it was he was faking. He was faking that first round, and then good old prank. Yeah, just and now it's gonna uh, uh, run the table. I reckon he was still high week one. That's why they were shit. Let's be honest. He came back a bit groovy. Aaron Rodgers, the long hair. With the mullet. Yeah. And uh, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? I'm happy. You know, we got robbed week one. But, uh, look, I will say, even though we're three and one, I'm a bit worried about your ex-coach, um, Mike. I don't think he knows what he's doing. He doesn't know what the sc- what's, what's a shot clock or what's a – doesn't he's know what a time is. Now, apparently. <laughs> I'll put it this way, right? Um, at the end of the last game, right, he anointed a, a player of ours as the defensive captain. Two days later, he gets sacked or released. So I feel as though well, speaking, he does nothing. Yeah, yeah Jalen Smith, he's a penalty silent for you guys. So I feel as though Mike McCarthy doesn't do it. Well, he doesn't do anything on offense. That's Kellen Moore. Defense is Dan Quinn. So I feel as though he does nothing during the week and then turns up and he just has to call timeout. That's it. And even then, he can't do the job properly. So I'm a bit worried that he's going to cost us in the end, but... I don't know. How did you just get rid of him? What did you just do? Did you just like uh, <laughs> just leak something about him? Or uh, I think uh, A Rod uh, had had enough. It's him or me, <laughs> sort of type thing. Yeah. But uh, other than that, um, NBA NBA starts in a few weeks, so it's, um, whether or not Ben Simmons will play for the Sixers, I highly oh, doubt that's, it. That's going to be such a fast He's gone. Story, right? Yeah. Well, they're asking for an arm and a leg, so it's going to be very, very hard. Um, I still feel like Lakers should be favoured if they're healthy, but they've got a bunch of like retirees in their team, you know. LeBron's getting older, Camelo. Like, it feels a um, pension week over there or some shit, but uh, it's going to be a bit interesting. Um, keep an eye out for Josh Giddy, the Aussie guy who plays for Thunder. A lot of hype about him. You know, most likely rookie of the year, but um, yeah, other than that, there's not much um, other sports, to be honest. Uh, NHL, if you're into that, that's starting up soon. Seattle yeah. Kraken starting up as well, the new expansion franchise. That's, so. that's my team in the hockey, Seattle Kraken. I, I'm going for me and my mate. Uh, I'm going to be Kraken fans, but um, yeah, looking forward to it. They have a nice logo. <laughs> yeah, it's a, they actually did a good job of it. So I don't know if they're going to be as successful as the Las Vegas Golden Knights, who sort of bottled lightning in their expansion draft. But it's mm. going to be fun to support a new team. And Seattle does love its sports. So, yeah, Betty and I are going to be cracking bros. doesn't help that I'm, you know, I'm with some Seattle Seahawks fans, but I can bear, <laughs> I can bear it. But, um, yeah, anything else? Uh, I think UFC, Whitaker is set to fight uh, Adesanya end of the year. And we didn't and have then, a chance uh, uh, to talk about it, but Volkanovski had a great win too. Uh, Mate, um, how funny was it? He was in a it was in a guillotine, and he gives the thumbs up, thumbs up to the referee. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm still good. And then and he, and he like dead. He dead eyes the guy, and like yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna start pounding you. And he, he gets straight out of the submission and just bludgeons the guy. My God, yeah. absolutely. Joe, Joe Rego was saying uh, uh, like in a, with, a, with a guest on one of the podcasts, he's like 99 out of 100. The guy's tapping out. Yeah, and he's just. Because he said Ortega's got like perfect uh, jiu-jitsu that yeah, is just like... But uh, he'd been working... Uh, uh, who was it he was he working works, he's, he's working... He, he na- I can't remember the name. He named him. He said they're like the yeah. perfect... Like it's clean technique yeah, and I'm exactly. like... Exactly. He, he worked super hard on his like uh, uh, submission counters. Yeah. Uh, his grappling counters and it paid off big time because the way he got out of that was hyper-technical. So mm. yeah, really cool result there. Um, all right. Well, how about we leave... It there for the podcast, um, and yeah, I, I don't think we'll have too much news unless there's some big signing news. Yeah, which if there's over big, the off season, big big signing news, we can always jump on and do a reaction podcast. But yeah, I think that's pretty much where we're at. It's just cruise for a bit, and then the preseason. Yeah, so about uh, four months away. Uh, dig in deep, get those games going. Uh, now that gyms are going to open, at least in mm-hmm. New South Wales, from Monday. Uh, so I've got mean, I'm, all, 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 I, all I care about is getting a haircut, man. I got like. <laughs> Oh, I did, I tell got me about it. Heck. Oh, I've got, I've got I was, a bad mop going on as well. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I bet you, I, I'm going to put make a bet. I reckon there's been a lot of people in this lockdown have second thoughts in their career and they're going to be hairdressers now because <laughs> I don't want to be stuck in this situation again. Mate, oh, I got Clipper sh- City in the drawer and I was ready to, to, to go <laughs> over it, uh, but I held off. <laughs> Stay strong. <laughs> He's a mess. <laughs> um, all right, boys. Well, cheers. It's been another pleasure uh, this year. Um, it's been fun to do the pod with you. I know Ham's just had the jump off, but uh, it's been a pleasure with him as well. He's inside, especially uh, with uh, Dunstar. It's fantastic. Um, Bertie, your rants, I've enjoyed it. Uh, 40, your knowledge and, and jumping into host all the time, given my work commitments. I'm hey, very grateful. You for worked it. hard this year too, man, so it was always good to have you on board. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm really keen for it, boys. So um, we'll leave it there. Uh, unfortunately, not getting to the Holy Grail again this season, uh, 35 years and counting, but uh, on to next season. And uh, as we always say, there's always next year. That's it, yep. mate. Godspeed, you magnificent oh. bastards. <laughs> All right, and thanks to all our listeners out there for sticking through. Um, we keep going up in the charts, which is great. Um, so feel free to to like that shit and um, and share. We don't try and plug anywhere or ask for donations or anything because it's just us. We like to, to chat football. Um, so we don't have an OnlyFans or, a, or a, um, <laughs> what's the other one? We ask uh, people to give you stuff. Uh, Patreon. Patreon, yeah. Patreon or anything like that. Um, you know, it only costs a couple of bucks to host this every year. So I don't really mind about that. And it's just us talking shit. Uh, OG sorry, podcast lads, OG. OG. We're the OG. Um, and have it, yeah, have- if you want some of your friends to get some uh, EOS content, feel free to share us around. Um, that'd be very much appreciated. But again, we're not doing this for likes or anything like that. We just enjoy talking footy. That's it. Biggest of truths there, mate. Yeah. Um, all right then, boys. Well, uh, thank you very much again for this year, and uh, we'll catch you on the next Power Podcast. See you guys soon. Later.